following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! This, this is the Players' Lounge. Broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star. Now your hosts, Barry Church, Danny McRae, and Nui Scruggs. All right, everybody. Here we are, the Players' Lounge. We're back, all right? We're back. Now, we're working from home in our different locations, but we've got to bring the content back to you here. Everybody over at the Dallas Cowboys are trying to make sure you get all your information. We keep you connected here during this time, and I know folks are at home trying to follow the rules, so we are happy to be a part of your day. I'm Louis Scruggs, joined by former Dallas Cowboys players, Danny McRae and Barry Church. Fellas, how are we doing here as we start this mating voyage of Broadcasting from our home. This is I'm going amazing right now. I mean, uh, I got a little echo from the house, but other than that, man, I'm ready to go. Yeah, this is this is definitely weird, but uh. This is definitely weird, but it'll be a little interesting. Uh, I, we'll have a good time as usual. No, no worries on this end. Uh oh, uh oh, Danny. We might have lost McCray. We might have lost McCray here. Okay, well, we'll try and hustle, hustle Danny back here. Free agency is obviously the biggest thing going on right now. I give the NFL credit. Great, they've they've kept us busy by keeping free agency going here. So that's mainly what we're talking about in terms of things going on. Other sports, everything's kind of been shut down here. Um, for me, at Church, I'll ask you this out of the gate. What was your, in your mind, the biggest free agent loss for the Dallas Cowboys? You and I are singing the same tune right there. I love what, what Quinn was able to do, and it was a smart signing by the Chicago Bears. And one thing I, I truly believe people forgot is he missed the first two games of the year because of the suspension. Who knows how many more sacks that he could have got, especially when you think about those first couple of games. It was, what, the Giants game, and I can't remember the second game they played. It was another easy opponent. Opponent is the Cowboys. It was Washington. It was Washington. So, you know, those two are games. when they made that trade from Miami. But look, uh, this is a part of the game. The Cowboys are going to have to put that money toward the offense. And so Quinn was the guy they couldn't lose. All respect to Byron Jones and getting that uh, big fat contract for the Miami Dolphins. I think he'll play well in that scheme. Yeah. I mean, at the time, the highest paid cornerback for about, I don't know, seven, eight days until Slay was traded. <laughs> then Slay, Slay, like, I need $3.00. Yeah, Slay said, I need $3 more, you know, so he needed to be the highest paid guy. So Slay becomes a highest paid guy going to the Eagles. And um, so so Jones, I think, is going to fit well down in Miami. Good luck to him. But I do believe Robert Quinn was the biggest free agent loss. I I'll say this. To me right now, the biggest loss for the Dallas Cowboys that I believe they suffered this offseason is the loss of center Travis Frederick. Um, you guys know what Travis 
Yeah, you, you know what he meant. He retired at 29 years old. He came back last season after missing 2018 because of the Guillain-Barre syndrome. But everything Travis meant as far as being a leader in the locker room, uh, being a five-time Pro Bowler, being a guy who worked so well with the quarterbacks from Tony Romo and Dak Prescott, uh, it, it's hard to lose someone like that. And so while Robert Quinn is going to be lost on defense, to me the biggest loss for the Cowboys that they've suffered this offseason is Travis Frederick. Your thoughts? I'll say this. Oh, here, Danny McCray. <laughs> back, back, back up Wi-Fi, man. I just, I just wanted to throw a little bit in there on Travis Frederick. I just saw that he got voted uh, for the Ed Block Courage Award going into retirement. So that just shows you what it, what his teammates in Paris think of him. Uh, yeah, McCray, you, you yeah, faded out a little bit here. I tell you what, um, you know, I'm not gonna be like Coach Nick Saban and jump on you and make you. Run the <laughs> I have to get okay. out of here. Okay, so so I'm not gonna do that that, that roll time mentality, but you know, um, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to work with you here on this. Um, I feel like the Cowboys do not have to address the center position in the draft. I think they've got in-house candidates already. I talked to someone about Joe Looney, and he told me Joe Looney is as good as 50% of the starting centers in the National Football League right now. So they believe that if you go with Joe Looney, you're good. Joe Looney's an athletic guy. And then Connor McGovern, who started one year at center at Penn State. And the thing about McGovern, I was told that he's a real strong guy. And once he gets a hold of you, it's hard to move him. So you've got him, you've got Adam Redmond, and then Connor Williams has some center flexibility. So I believe the Cowboys, with the draft picks they have, I think we're going to see them use them more on defense. And if if the Cowboys are going to draft an offensive lineman, I don't think it'll be a center. I think it could be a swing tackle because you've lost Cam Fleming here. And a couple of years ago, they tried to do it with Chaz Green. Chaz Green didn't work out. They spent a third-round pick on him. But with what we've seen through the, the past couple of years with Tyron's back, and then we saw a little bit of injury to Lyle Collins last year, I would think if they use an offensive line pick, it would be on a swing tackle. I think they definitely need a uh, type of a swing tackle or somebody who can, who's versatile enough to play, you know, interior to off the line as well as the outside. Because when we've seen these past couple of years, injuries happen, especially on the offensive line. I mean, you're getting hit every single play. You have back problems. You have ankle problems. So we know that for the, for the offensive line, injuries happen. So I think they should address it maybe in a later round. But uh, they can 
be able to get a you know a low costing free agent that'll be able to become a swing tackle or a versatile offensive lineman piece for them. But um, I think filling that void for Frederick, I mean, he wasn't the strongest or wasn't the most physical guy, but he had it up top. I mean, his mental aspect for the game was just unremarkable. So I think that's what they'll lose him, lose it the most. Not as much as his play play making ability and his ability to block, but the ability to get the, all the offensive linemen in the right place at the right time. I think that'll be hard to. Uh, to uh, address in house. The, the interesting, the thing, interesting is, thing is, cowboy fans, cowboy fans are, are cowboy fans look at this and they're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. But when you start when looking you start at looking other offensive lines in the National in the Football National League, 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 even with the loss of Travis Frederick, the Cowboys are still one of the best offensive lines going in football. So if you got to plug in Joe Lenny or you bring in Connor McGovern who missed his rookie year, you're still going to be better off than about 65% of the teams in the National Football League when it comes to having good offensive line play here. So I think the Cowboys, and just the big question to me is, you know, this new coaching staff, how they get ahead and get in with these guys. And obviously with everything going on with COVID-19, they're not going to have that ability right now to get these dudes in here and get them more acclimated to what they want to do. But I just believe that's one of the strengths the Cowboys have, and I think they will continue to have, even in 2018, with Travis out and Joe Looney filling in, that was a playoff team. So, I don't want to minimize the loss of Travis, but I do believe the Cowboys collectively, as a unit, can still be strong up front. I can I agree with you on that one. What comes to my mind is, are they going to be able, in my opinion, without you know Travis Frederick out there calling the shot, are they going to be able to run the ball as efficiently as they have in the past? We've known that this team, you know, they thrive off the run, and the pass game kind of feeds off right. of the run. Right. So my question to you would be, will they be able to you know run the ball and be that physical team without their leader at the center? If they're healthy, they're I don't healthy, see why they can't. Why they I mean, can't. keep in mind, you, you, you've got you, one of, got the, one best of the best or the best running back in the National Football League. League. So, so you give you know, you give Zeke just a little bit, he's going to be able to take off and do the rest. And I just had this faith that Mike McCarthy is going to come in here as an offensive play caller and and a guy who who's so good at putting up points. I don't worry about the Cowboys' offense. I think the first three to four games, you're going to have a little bit of because especially especially depending depending on how much time time they get to work work with this team to install what they want. That, but I just believe, just you know, believe over, time, over time, this offense this is going to be good. Barry, my, my Barry concern Mike is his defense. defense. All right, that, that All right, is the that concern is last year, last and I know they're year, making some changes. changes. I love the fact, love the fact that they brought in Gerald McCoy. They're, they're trying to get bigger up front. Don Terry Poe, there's still those conversations. That deal hasn't been locked up just yet, to my knowledge, but I know he's a guy they want to bring in here. So if you bring in a Poe, you bring in a Gerald McCoy, you're bigger up front. One of my concerns is, and when I talk to other people across the NFL, they said the Cowboys are just too small up front. Rod Marinelli liked those quick guys, but if you could get your hands on those quick guys, you could go ahead and tear them up. And you just look at how they got beat by the Rams in that, that playoff game in Los Angeles. And I was out there. I mean, Todd Gurley had over 100 yards. C.J. Anderson had over 100 yards. I think it was like 200, almost 270-something yards on the ground. I mean, they absolutely just ran through the Cowboys. So if the Cowboys were not able to stop the run up front, they would get beat in a lot of games. And I just like the fact that Mike McCarthy and Mike Nolan already realized, hey, look, we're going to get away from these little dudes who are quick. We're going to get some beef up front. If you stop the run up front, I think you're going to help out Jalen Smith, you're going to help out Leighton Vanderesh, you're going to help out Sean Lee. So get better up front right there in the middle and try and put some pass rush also on the other team up front through that center and guard position. So I love I love what they can do with those guys, uh, especially once they can get Poe locked up. But I love McCoy coming to town. 
pretty much run freely and make plays like they did back in 2018. But my only concern about having those big guys in the middle is, are they going to be able to produce a pass rush? Are those guys, they're, they're, they're good enough to kind of get that interior push, but are they going to be able to force the quarterback to get that ball out of his hands quick? Um, in the past, I think they would have. I mean, when they were younger, they were they were studs in the, in the middle getting sacks and everything. But these past couple years, I haven't really seen a lot of the numbers from McCoy um, or Poe, but uh, I'm concerned about if they're going to be able to get a significant pass rush or a consistent pass rush. That's what we missed last year with this defense, in my opinion. Um, we had, you know, spotty pass rushers here and there. You know, Quinn was taking advantage, but work with the rest of the defensive line. So uh, I just want to see if these guys, you know, they're big, they're run stuffers. Are they going to be able to generate a pass rush? I believe they might be able to. If so, that'll take a lot of the pressure off of the secondary. And we know the secondary needs a little bit of upgrade as they lost Heath. They lost Byron Jones. So they're going to need a little bit of upgrade. But hopefully this defensive line can get that pass rush in there to kind of make their job easier. But we shall see. So I'll stay with you on that point there. So I'm thinking of, all right, we take Lawrence at a defensive end, put Tyron Crawford back at a defensive end, Gerald McCoy, get Don Terry Poe locked up right there. So if those are four guys that you've got rolling right there, I feel like that's an upgrade a little bit from what we saw last year. And yes, I say upgrade even with Quinn gone from the standpoint of you're better up front with the tackles. I mean, look, Quinn coming off the edge was a help, but if guys, if you could just run through the middle, you know, how much did that really help you sometimes here? I just think that the Cowboys overall are going to have an opportunity to be better under Mike Nolan just by being bigger up front. And then we'll see what other additions they can make in free agency. Let's see what they do in the draft here. And I know a lot of Cowboy fans right now are like, we're not better than what we were last year. Okay, I've heard people say that. And, and I come back and I'll say this. Yes, some good players were lost. Robert Quinn, Byron Jones. But with all those great players, this team didn't go anywhere. The team didn't make the playoffs. So some, so sometimes it's not so much of who are the players. I do believe coaching matters. One thing I re I was watching um, on HBO that that uh, great documentary on Belichick and Saban. Belichick says you cannot overcome bad coaching. And there are times there are last times year defensively, last year, defensively you're watching this you're game, watching and Barry, you played that you, played, you wondered, you what were the Cowboys doing defensively? What was the scheme? What was the plan? I just believe that they've got better coaches here now, overall, from the head coach on down. And I think the Cowboys have an opportunity, if they can get some more of the pieces they want lined up, to be better collectively. I agree with you. I think they can be better collectively. I think um, the problem they had last year was um, they were, especially in the secondary, they, I think they were thinking too much robotic. They were thinking too much, all right, I got to be 20 yards deep right on the hash. I got to stay right there until the ball's thrown. I can't I can't think outside the box. I can't, you know, it's like we saw Tyron Matthew out there doing the playoffs. You know, he would have a guy man-to-man -man coverage. If he sees something open, he let that guy go and go make a play. But, I mean, that also has to do with, you know, the coaches trusting the players and that sort. And I don't know if the coaches fully trust the players last year because I feel like a lot of the time they were just stuck on exactly where they have to be. I have to be at this landmark. If I'm not here, I'm going to get a minus. And they would let a play go by. So I think we have, you know, with Taha Dixon there, he's a little bit more opportunistic. He's a little bit more, let me go get this ball. And that's what this defense needs, especially the secondary. They need turnover. They need takeaways. We just didn't get enough of that last year. I think with the additions that we had, maybe a couple here um, during the draft or the rest of the free agency, we might get a couple more ball hops. But we need people to go get that ball, and we need coaching to represent that as well. If they if they say something, they say, you know, I'll 
situation for defensively and I was told by someone that the problem of watching Marinelli and Chris Richard try to work together that they were trying to marry two different thoughts defensively what Chris thought about defense and what he wanted to run was different than Rod so they tried to marry it together and it didn't work ultimately it did not work that they needed to go with either one either go with Marinelli's philosophy or Chris's philosophy but they tried to marry two philosophies and and it just didn't work Mike Nolan is going to be able to do exactly what he wants to do so if he comes in with his message and how he wants to get it done I think that right there Barry just in terms of what you were talking about the guys might be able to play a little bit more free Really, especially on the defensive end here, to, to just make some doggone plays. Ha ha, Clinton Dix. I was happy to see him come in here. Uh, I, 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 for one, hated the loss of Jeff Heath. I feel that Jeff Heath did a very good job considering what he was asked to do. I think there are times where, you, where fans needed to blame the organization more so than the player. I mean, Jeff was a backup player who they were asking to start. I think Jeff, as a, as a backup player, is going to help the Raiders out. I don't think he's a guy that needs to be a starter, but he's a guy that can come in here and help you out, especially on special teams. So I think HaHa Clinton Dix back there will help them out. I do believe that they're going to address the position in the draft. I don't know about a first-round pick, but I do believe safety will be addressed. And, and I just think at this point in time, they, they're probably going to have to go and get themselves a first-round corner here. But I just think just having one you know, one philosophy versus trying to marry two, that alone should help make the Cowboys better in 2020. I agree with you 100%. I mean, I've never had you never had got to play in an organization where you had two basically different philosophies trying to marry into one. Like, you know, with Marinelli's system, and when I played in it, he was the type of guy that had, you know, you got to be here. You got to be 20 yards deep here at the hash, or you got to go to the top of your landmark when you're here. And I never got to play for Chris Richard, but from what I hear, he's kind of more loosely, you know, do the technique that fits your scheme and fits how you want to play and how you make plays. So those are two, you know, things that are contradictory themselves. And when you're a player out there and you're thinking about, oh, I got to do it how Marinelli wants, but I can make a play how Chris Richard wants, it just slows you down altogether when you're thinking too much on the field. So hopefully, you know, when Mike Nolan's system comes in here, it's a little bit more slim down and these guys can just go out there and play fast and make plays and not have to worry about thinking too much or thinking if I'm on this landmark or if I'm going to get a minus here and that's what you have when you have two defensive coordinators on the same team trying to, trying to marry two different philosophies I just didn't think it was a good fit and uh, it ended up not working for the Capitals last year so Marinelli so moved Marinelli on to the Raiders. Uh, he got picked up he really quick. John really Gruden brought him in here. John Gruden and Marinelli worked Marinelli together on that Tampa Bay team that ended up winning the Super Bowl. So Marinelli replaces Vincent Buckner out there. And right now, Chris Richard is not working anywhere at all right now. And I'm surprised that nobody in the NFL picked up Richard at all. Yeah, I'm surprised about that, too. I mean, I saw he had some head coaching interviews during the offseason. But I'm surprised. I mean, he was a successful coach in Seattle. He came here and kind of brought that fire and intensity. It just didn't work out the way, you know, we, we wanted it to work out. But I feel like he's a good coach and kind of got the attention of his players, especially the young players. I feel like he was able to relate to a lot of the players out there 
And uh, I'm surprised, just like you, that nobody has seemed to pick him up or brought them on to the team. But, you know, maybe he wants to become a head coach, so he's waiting for a head coaching opportunity. I'm not quite sure. Right, I'm going to try this one more time. This is the, this is the, the tough part, the part of the National Football, football League. You know, when you're hot, everybody, everybody, everybody wants to touch you. When you're not making the playoffs, people think you're cold product. Everybody just runs away because you think about it. The year before, when the Cowboys make the playoffs, me and Rashard interviewing in Indianapolis, you know, interviewing in Miami. And then the next year, Cowboys don't make the playoffs. Boom. Boom. You know, he he's, no, he's he, fell he, off he the map. So that's that's the cold part, part, man, of trying to trying to get through this, get through this business. And business. How you stay hot and, and how you don't. But I think Chris, I think Chris will be fine. It's just unfortunate because when you when you lose like this, man, nobody wants to touch. I remember Sean Payton had the head coaching offer from the Oakland Raiders after one year with the Cowboys, and he turned down the offer from Al Davis. Jerry Jones gave him a million bucks to come back, and then the Cowboys. Didn't make the playoffs make the, playoffs the next, year. next year. Nobody called Sean. Okay, Sean couldn't get a sniff. They go back to the playoffs the next year after that, and then he interviewed Sean. Interviewed in Green Bay. He really wanted the Packers job. Back went to Mike McCarthy, and then Sean got the job in New Orleans. But that's how that thing goes, man. That's why so many times as a coach and even a player, if you've got the opportunity to jump on something, you better get it because everybody will quickly forget in a year how good you were and not always understanding what what circumstances. Santa's happened from year to year. But, you know, you sound like you forgot how to coach, you know, but that's just how it is, man. You're right, and that's exactly how it is. This NFL means, you know, not for long or or if it's a, yeah, have you done for me lately type league. So, um, like you said, you know, if you if you go seven and nine one year, nobody's going to be knocking at your door. Even if you're a safety or a player, and if you get you know no interceptions and your team is terrible, nobody's going to come knocking at your door until maybe an injury happened or something like that. So it's always you know what have you done for me lately? You could have made the Pro Bowl and All Pro in 2018, 2019. You had a slow year. Man, if you're a free agent in 2020, you might not see anything until midway through the season. So it's always about what you can do for me lately, and you always got to set up your game and upgrade your game because there's always going to be somebody out there trying to look take your spot. Yeah, I mean, we can look yeah, at Robert I mean, Quinn. I mean, he's a guy that the Cowboys got from Miami. People forgot about him. He came up to the Cowboys, ended up with 11 sacks, and next thing you know, he got paid real well. So, you know, there's an example of uh, uh, people and what have you done for lately in the thoughts process. All right, let's take our first break here on the Players' Lounge. When we come back, uh, Roger Goodell says that the NFL draft is on, so we'll dive into that. Tom Brady has a new locale. And also, some signs that the Cowboys made that I don't think people are talking about enough because they were much needed, much needed, in my opinion, if this, this club is going to get better in this one particular area coming up this year. More of the players' lives with New Scripps, Barry Church, and Danny McCray right here on DallasCowboys.com radio. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. 
Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too right above the subway well i bet you don't even notice it after the that's my neighbor angus a deal that's just okay is not okay get a great deal with america's best network come into an at&t store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for zero dollars down based on gws one score september 2019 back to the players lounge Players Lounge right here on DallasCowboys.com radio. I'm Nui Scruggs, joined by former Dallas Cowboy players Danny McCray and Barry Church. All right, the NFL draft is going to go on as scheduled. Roger Goodell sent a memo out to teams, so April 23rd through the 25th is when we will see the draft. So first round is on April 23rd, rounds two and three the next night. Then they finish off rounds uh, four through seven on the 25th. All right, Danny McCray, your thoughts on the NFL saying, hey, despite what's going on in the world right now, dealing with uh, COVID-19, the show will go on. Okay, so, okay, so I'm out. Today's uh, audio is uh, still 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 it's a little trash. problematic right, right there. there. Still a little problematic, but, problematic, but I'll, I'll, pick, I'll it pick it up from here. Roger Goodell, Roger Goodell in the NFL, in the NFL, NFL right now. Yeah. Oh, we got, we got Danny back. Okay, Danny, pick it up. Pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, hello. Can you hear me? We got you. We got you. Yeah. So, no. So, I'm saying I I think it's very smart. I think he was correct in his. Uh, in his statement is saying that we don't know where we're going to be at in the next few months and we're uh, even going to be able to reschedule and have the event like we really want to have it so it, it, it really doesn't make much sense to bet on that so go ahead and give America and some people uh, some things to watch and something to look forward to and go ahead and get this thing rolling so I, I like the idea Church, Church, Pro Day was pro a big deal a for big you deal coming, out, you of coming out of Toledo. They're not having they're not Pro Days right now where scouts can come out there and, and go and, see and players go live. Danny, you had the Danny, same thing at LSU where you were, you were able to be a part of the Pro Days. They were looking at other players and then, bam, they got to see you. So, Church, if you're a player out there right now and you didn't get to the combine, what would you do in order to try and get some tape or some film yourself out here to these scouts? Uh, well, after, you know, being mad and being pissed off that I couldn't do pro day or anything like that, I would uh, I would try to do my own type of thing where I'd have maybe, you know, my trainer and maybe, you know, a couple of players that we were training with just film for our own pro day, just film a 40-yard dash, you know, the shuttle, all that stuff, have all the times recorded and all that stuff. And then at the end of it, you know, try our hardest to send it into these teams, send it into these teams to try to, to try to get a look at us if, you know, we weren't one of those premier players that they were taking a look at to begin with. Maybe we'll, you know, throw the tape in there. Maybe they'll invite us to camp or maybe they'll invite us to an OTA. Um, it's just really, you know, 
bad that these you know these kids that aren't the you know the high profile picks or the guys that are going to be slotted in the first round draft that they're not able to improve their draft rating or even get on the draft board at all without a pro day. So it just sucks for them. But um, they what they can do is they can make up their own type of pro day where they can have their trainer and a couple of players that they work with kind of film them, kind of film how they you know do their short shuttle forty yard and send it in. That's the best bet they have because. You know, if the, if, the, if the pro team wasn't looking at you to begin with, you know, they're not going to look at you when, you know, if there's no pro day out there. They're going to have to see some type of tape. So you're just going to have to take a chance, send it in, and hopefully they take a look at it and not just kind of weigh it to the side. But we'll see. You know, the NFL has, you know, they, they always tend to find talent. So we'll see what happens. McCray? McCray? Yeah, this is – I think this is uh, where agents really uh, get a chance to make their money, right? They need to lean on those relationships that they have with some of these these – scouts and these GMs and they should be able to get a look at some of these tapes. They should be able to get your tape in some of these guys' faces, especially under the circumstances. So I think having one of those prominent agents or those agents with a lot of relationships is is big uh, under these circumstances right now. All right, Tom, All right, Brady, Tom Brady is taking, is his, taking his talents to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers. It basically came down, came between, down between the Chargers, the Chargers and the Bucks. And, the Bucks. and, and I had a source tell me that, tell me that what won it over for Tampa Bay was the coaching. That he felt there was a better coaching staff of guys who could coach him, Bruce Arians, Tom Ward, Clyde Christensen, Byron Leftwich, than what they had over with the Chargers. And season tickets are being sold at a fast rate. In fact, the Buccaneers have raised prices already. What do you guys think about Brady leaving New England after 20 seasons and now taking the show to the NFC and the Tampa Bay Bucks? By the way, the Cowboys do not play Tampa Bay in 2020. <laughs> uh, well, I, I think it was a great move. I mean, for Tom, I mean, I think at the end of the day, um, he just kind of realized that, you know, my time in New England was about 20 years there, six Super Bowl wins, you know, nine appearances. I did all I can for New England. Let me try to take my talents down south and see what I can do down there, see if I can do it by myself. Because everybody pretty much kind of linked him and Bill Belichick together, rightfully so. I mean, they've, they've been together so long, they've won so much together that everybody kind of links them together. But, I think Brady just kind of wanted to do it on his own. And I think he chose Tampa Bay because, they, you know, they the Chargers have a similar skill set on the opposite side of the ball. But Tampa Bay, I mean, you got 2,000-yard receivers on the outside. You got a huge, big-time tight end in uh, Howard. And you got Cameron Braid out there who's not a spouse either at tight end. I mean, they got a good offensive line, and their defense is improving. So I think he looked at it as saying, you know, they give me the best opportunity to win and kind of get to that next level and that Super Bowl once again. So I think that's what made him decide because over there at the Chargers, they don't have a shabby coaching staff. I mean, maybe he has more to do with, you know, Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich and those boys, but I just think he looked at it more of the offensive skill set and the team that could take him to the Super Bowl next year. McCray? Yeah, and I feel um, – I, I talked to a lot of guys that used to play for uh, Bruce Arians. They call him B.A., and uh, they said he's a he's a player's coach. They love playing for him. He's one of those guys who, you know, I hate to bring up LSU, but he's like one of those Ed Ogeron guys. Like you, the, his players will run through the wall for him. So I think Tom Brady meeting him and getting able to being able to talk to him and listen to him. I think Bruce Arians sold him on something that was great. And he like in church said he looked at all that talent. And he looked at Jameis Winston going thirty for thirty, and he automatically assumed he could at least go fifty for ten. So I. I, I <laughs> So, right, so right, I think if you, right, right, 
Right. If you just right. if, if you're looking at it and, and he's comparing himself to Jameis and he says I can do this much better and I can take this team this much further as a great coaching staff, this guy already won me over. I think it was just all positives for him and and the change from from Bill Belichick, who we already knew that they had a little rift growing in their, in their relationship over the last few years. I think it was just time, and I think Bruce Arians won him over. All right, Danny, stay. Hey, stay, stay let me stay. ask your question real quick, All, right. All, right. All right. In your opinion, do you think Tom Brady was, was tired of Belichick, or do you think it was the other way around, or do you think this was just like a mutual mutual breakup? In your opinion, I think. I think. Dude, think about twenty. Think about twenty. All right, twenty right, years, 20 with, years anyone, with anyone. Uh, over time, uh, over time. I think that I think a guy that like a guy Tom, like Brady, Tom Brady, Brady wanted some. Wanted some Concessions. Concession. Like, hey, you, okay. know, you know, maybe I've maybe earned I've a little pass little here, pass there. here there. And Belichick, and Belichick wasn't going to change. And I think and that, I think that Tom also wanted the contract to lose 45. That's what Chris Landry who used to work for, for Bill Belichick and put out on his podcast. And Belichick wanted to go year to year. So I think that Tom didn't feel like he was totally appreciated for 20 years and six rings and nine runs to the Super Bowl game. That he deserved a little bit more respect. I just think this is there's no blame. I think Bill's going to do things the way he wants. Tom has the way he wants to do things. And I think this is great for Tom. I think this is great for Bill. I think. The relationship, the relationship that Tom Brady, that Tom Brady has with Peyton Manning also led into Tampa Bay because Bruce Arians was, was, was with, uh, with, uh, with Peyton Manning, with Peyton Tom Moore was with Tom Peyton Manning, so these are coaches, coaches that he has respect for. I don't really blame anybody. I think that after 20 years, this just is what it is. Bill is not going to change. You know, it's like Nick Saban. He's not going to change. Certain guys are Tom Landry. I remember reading about Roger Staubach at toward the end when he was making his decision to retire that he really wanted to call the Plays and ask Tom Landry, hey, if I come back, can I call the plays? And Tom Landry's like, nope. Roger hung it up. So some of these coaches, man, some of these coaches are going to do what they do and they're not going to change. So I don't think there's there's any blame at all. So how about this going on in Tampa? So we all know Tom Brady, TB12, that's his whole brand, number 12. Chris Godwin, the excellent young wide receiver at Tampa, is number 12. And he recently said in a radio interview, hey, I've worn 12 my whole career. I'm married to this number. This is my number. So if you're Tom Brady, you guys both know, because as former Cowboys players, and then Barry, you went down to Jacksonville, what is a number worth? If Tom Brady wants to get the 12 from Godwin, what do you think he has to offer? I think if I'm Chris Godwin, I'm telling Brady, man, you better come with all the, give me all that. Your wife making 40 million, you making 30 million. I got to come with some bread, man. You got to give me at least a bill for this number. I know he can afford it. I got to get it, though. I got to. Yeah, I'm putting my agent in on these negotiations, man. This is gonna cost Tom a lot. Like Chris, Chris Godwin made his made his name in that number twelve, just like Tom Brady did, and he'll be making his name longer after Tom Brady is retired. So that twelve is gonna cost Tom some money. Or maybe Tom says, "Hey, man, this is a new start for me, and I and, and I just go ahead and accept another number, and I'm just gonna be a team player." So what is a non-star? So if Tom comes with 25K, is that a non-starter for the 12 or 50K? Where does the not even close start? Not even close. Not even close. It starts after half a mil. I need at least 500 on the table to begin talking. Cash. Really? Really? 
Cash. Give me really? a slip. <laughs> Straight cash, homie. <laughs> yeah, so, nope. Now, I can see if it was a if it was a guy coming in, you know, asking for the number who didn't, you know, make as much money. Like if Dak came in there talking to God and say, "Let me get that number twelve or whatever," I can bring the price down. But when you got Brady who's been making all this money for twenty years, his wife's making forty, he can afford to drop some bread on that number if he wants to buy that number. So, so a half the bidding starts at a half million dollars for them. Okay, so so tell me this: when you guys were the Cowboys, um, were, were their numbers bought and traded for? Uh, um, I'm trying to think. Not, not that I know of. Yeah, not that I know of. Not that I know of. Nah, it wasn't any yeah. numbers that were bought and traded. Uh, not that I know of. Nah. Okay. All right, so I'm ready. I'm gonna need that five hundred. <laughs> At least. <laughs> I mean, look, it's no doubt Chris Godwin has played it in a position. When I heard the interview, he, he didn't get like, "Hey, man, he's the goat," and you know, I'm just happy to have him here. And you know, I wanted him to have twelve. He talked about how he was married to the twelve, and I said, "This young man is very smart. This young man's putting it in a position that it's gonna cost you time." And Tom and apparently Tom trademarked, trademarked uh, TB uh, in TB. So, so maybe he tries maybe a different number. I know he wore number 10 in Michigan. So I'm going to be very interested to see exactly what happens with that number 12. So let's move from number 12 to number 4, talking about Dak Prescott. Calvin Watkins of the Morning News and several other reporters, Clarence Hill, Star Telegram, and Word ESPN, saying that the Cowboys reopened up negotiation with Dak Prescott here. We know he's going to be with the Cowboys in 20. 20. 20. Fellas, you give me your opinions on what you think could possibly get done with Dak on that franchise exclusive tag. McCray, I'll start with you. Oh, man, they, they have to July 15th. Uh... He will be. He'll have more than golf and more than uh, Russell, and then Mahomes a, a takeover. But I think he gets that deal done before before the deadline, and he has a long term deal before the season starts. For me, uh, free agency is all about timing. I mean, we've seen players come into free agency who we know aren't worth the bill that they ended up getting or, or worth the, the money that they ended up getting, but it's all about timing and when you're free. And uh, right now he has the you know, franchise tag on him, but if he didn't, he'd be a free agent. And he would be you know up to be slated the highest paid guy in the league. And I think um, he'll end up getting that. You know, I think we'll go back to the contract negotiations. I believe July 15th, if I'm not mistaken, is the deadline. If you don't have a long-term contract by then, you have to be you have to play under the franchise tag. So I think they'll get it done before July 15th. I just think it all comes down to guaranteed, fully guaranteed money, not just you know what you see going across the ticker at the bottom of ESPN. I think it comes down to what you're fully guaranteed. Like when when uh, Kirk Cousins signed his contract, he was fully guaranteed 84 million. Um, I believe when the quarterback for the Titans, he fully guaranteed 62 million. So I think it comes down to the fully guarantees, and I think Dak will end up you know eclipsing you know Russell Wilson, and then like uh, McCray said, I think Mahomes will come in and take it over from there. But it's all about timing, and, and this is his time, and he needs to be the highest paid. He's gone there and proved that he's won in each you know each year he's improved. So I think it's about time for them to uh, make him the highest paid guy. Church, t- well, Church and Newey, tell t- tell me this. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that last part. 
I said Kirk Cousins Kirk recently got himself got a two-year, $66 million extension from Minnesota, so he keeps getting paid here. I have a theory. I have a theory. Kirk keeps finding money, boy. I mean, the, the resume is light, but the paychecks are long. I ain't mad at him. Good old Good old country Kurt, man. You know, I mean, he went from three straight franchises to 84 mil, and then now I got 66 extended. I mean, that dude, <laughs> he did it right, man. He did it right. Which is why I laughed at Cowboy fans, fans who were, who were mad at Dak and saying, you know, he saying, you know, he should get more than Tom Brady. I said, Kirk Cousins is more than Tom Brady. So just stop right there. But here's my but thing on where this contract, where this contract is, going is going to go. And, and you guys and have you guys agents, have you all understand the agent game because you are dealing with agents. The Cowboys sat up there at the podium in Oxnard, California, and I was there listening to Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones, and they said, we're not going to set the market with these guys. We want them here, we want them to take less, and we can pay everybody, but we're not going to Set the, set the market. Well, what happened with Ezekiel Elliott? They set the market, made him the highest paid running back. What happened with Amari Cooper? He set the market. What did you do when you had Travis Frederick? You set the market for a center. What did you do with Travis Frederick at a guard? You set the market. What did you do with Tate Morris at a defensive end? You set the market. So how in the world do you think you can set the market at all these spots and say, hey, Dak, no, no market for you. You know Todd Francis is coming in here. If Todd Francis' agent does not set the market, he will get rolled by other agents. They've been setting the market since Tony Romo. <laughs> True. Hey, you got Smith, Romo. Tyron Smith, Smith set the market. Yeah, they, they've been setting the market since, since I've been a cowboy. So, I mean, there's it, no reason to believe that when they say it. The market will be set. So, I think you're well, on point, point, Church. Point. He's going to pass Russell. He's going to pass Russell. Gonna Church, pass you're right. Oh, yeah. I think he'll pass Russell. Um, you know, I also think it comes down to how much the Cowboys believe in him. I mean, like we've seen, when, when Romo was up, he became the highest paid. You know, DeMarcus Lawrence became the highest paid. Like, he just rattled off all the names that became the highest paid when it was their time to show up. So, I think it just all comes down to how much the boys believe that he can be that franchise quarterback for the future. Uh, I believe he can be. Every year he's come in here, he's won. So, I believe he can be that guy. But it just goes down to how much the Cowboys are willing to spend to have that franchise quarterback. And I think they'll make him the highest. I mean, it's a smart move, and um, it's just his time right now. Well, go I'm a little to, sad. To the, to the, I'm a little sad that I won't be able to see. Huh? I said I'm a little sad that I won't be able to see if Dak was going to show up to these OTAs or not with this franchise tag. That that has oh, changed okay. due to the coronavirus. But I was I was very interested to see if he was going to show up and be the team player, or he was going to not show up and and tell them pay me my money before I walk on this field. I don't know. Do you think he has that? Do you think he has that mentality where he's like, you know what? If y'all don't give me this money, I'm not showing up. No money, no services. Do you think he has that type of mentality? Yes, money changes us all. <laughs> this is true. Well, well, I mean, if you, I mean, if you if go back and just go simply and look, at, look at, at what at Ezekiel Elliott did. I mean, why would, why wouldn't? You? And you've got a head coach who wants to put in his system. That's what because this is a, now about applying pressure and pressure and what. So if you've got an, you know, you got Cooper Rush taking ones, you know, you think that's what Jerry Jones wants to look out there and see? And Mike McCarthy wants to look out there and see? Is Cooper Rush taking ones? 
snap at the ones? No. So uh, th this is one purely where, you know, go back to Jerry Maguire. It's not show friends, it's show business. And Bob Sugar was talking. So I fully think that, and if we've seen anything, that Prescott and his agent Todd France have been more than willing to sit around here and say, let's bet on ourselves. So, uh, yeah, I don't think that, that he, you know, I think that he would skip those OTAs if, you know, we didn't deal with COVID-19 right now. And that's, that's what you'd have to do. All right. We've got our last break to take here. Want to get back into a couple of free agent signings that I think are really important. They're flying under the radar. You may not know their names or what they can do, but I really thought these guys were really important to what the Cowboys were doing. And also, since we've got this time of staying at home, what are you reading? I'm talking about a book that I found fascinating that I just jumped into this week. I'm Louis Scruggs. It's Danny McCray. It's very church. You're listening to the Players Lounge on DallasCowboys.com radio. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today in the Stadium Pro Shop or at Stetson.com. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys. Helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more, do more. So, you're shopping, and that's when you see it. Aisle 23. Dr. Pepper stacked from top to bottom as far as the eye can see. The phrase too good to be true comes to mind, yet there it is. A rich, delicious Dr. Pepper paradise. Wait, did, did that can of Dr. Pepper just open itself for you? They all are. As if to say, so nice to treat you. And even though it feels weird to talk to a can, you pick one up and say, it's so nice to be treated. Dr. Pepper. So nice to treat you. Back to the Players' Lounge. All right. Players' Lounge here on a Friday. I'm Louis Scruggs, joined by former Dallas Cowboys, Danny McCray, and Barry Church. We are doing the show live from home. It's our first time here. Thanks to everybody who's been hanging in there with us. Still working on things. We're trying to get it better and better for you. But we really do appreciate you staying in here with us. A couple free agent signings that I really like from the Cowboys that are going under the radar. I love the fact um, that they brought, the in, they brought in uh, Marcus, uh, Marcus Candidate. Here's a kid who is he's a corner, he's a corner, but he's a big special team. Um, Blake Bell. Uh, Blake Bell. They bring him over bring from, him the, from uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. He's a blocking tight end, but he's also a big special team guy. Barry started off with the Cowboys, making their name on special teams. Danny, that's mainly what you did for the Cowboys here. I like with these guys and just the fact that you've got to be able to prove that area because the Cowboys were damn near dead last in Rick Gosselin's special teams categories last year. They got it. They got to improve on that base game. 
Uh, yeah, they got to improve on that. You know, they got that's got to be one of the biggest improvements they got to make. I mean, there's no way um, their special teams should be should be costing you a game. And if we look at it, that New England game up in New England, it kind of actually cost them the game. And they had a block punt, and that was the only touchdown result of the game. So your special teams should never cost you a game. So I definitely think this is one of the areas that they need to make improvements on. Uh, they had C.J. Goodwin out there who was on the show early on, but he was one of their top special teams guys. So I like to see them bring him back. They did. They brought him back. back. Oh, they brought him back. Okay, cool. Yes, okay, great. Back. So they CJ's brought him back. back, and then you guys, you have uh, Blake Bell, like you said, and I forget the other name you said, but those guys are all Maurice three kind Kennedy. of four special teams. Maurice Kennedy. Those are three core special teams guys that you got to have that can get those other guys, you know, get the special teams guys going, get them motivated. Like for us, it was Danny. He was out there, you know, motivating all the guys to get rolling. And we had one of the top special teams units at, while we were there with the Dallas Cowboys. you got to have that one bell count, that one figurehead of the special teams that gets everything rolling. Hopefully one of these guys can be that guy and they can turn their special teams unit around because the last year it was downright terrible and they needed new philosophy and a new type of scheme to get going on special teams. And I think they have that with the new coach and bringing in these core special teams guys. Yeah, I, I love the move. Uh, we've been calling for this for a couple years now for them to bring guys in. Similar to the Patriots, you know, three or four guys that come in and they are just known for doing special teams. When they're at practice, all they have to think about is special teams. And the same in the game. And they have three now. So they got they have the tight end, they got candidate, and they have a good one. Uh, and then hopefully in the draft or with one of these free agent rookies, they'll find their fourth, and I think they'll be set to go. I, I think this is a great move. They're going in the right direction. And, you know, me as a special team player, I'm excited for the guys that they brought in as play special teams. Yes, on some on, on, on bonehead on bonehead mistakes. I'm, like I can't get over this Tavon Austin fair catch thing. That was absolutely nuts, and it, 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 and, and that's just something that we just got we just got to get out of our head. And I just can't. It's just it's just bad. And like Barry uh, brought up earlier, the block punt for um, for New England is it's like these these things can't happen, and you can't go in limping in on special teams. It's supposed to be the game changer in a positive way. If you don't mention special teams, you're good. If you mention them, you only want to mention them in a good way. When you mention them in a bad way, it's horrible for the coaches, the players, and most of the time you lose the game when you make one of those crucial errors uh, on special teams. Well, I think we can all think agree we all that agree. the Tavon Austin awesome awesome experiment, experiment was, uh, was a, waste uh, a waste of time. time. And I know they and went, I know away, they from went away from Ryan Switzer, Switzer. And they had some, and they had some, some early on frustrations, frustrations with Ryan Switzer. With Ryan Switzer. But, uh, but the Tavon uh, Austin deal was not, was not good at all. But, you know, that, that, you know that, that, that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. where they end up fixing the return area Tavon Austin had to go. His time wasn't working there at all. So since we're having to stay inside a whole lot here, as you can see behind me, I got a bunch of books. I'm a big reader. 
reader here. Here's a book Here's that, a I book that, that I got into by Jonathan, here by Jonathan I, I, it's called it's Ali. Ali. This thing's 500 pages on Muhammad Ali. It's a fantastic biography. And I'll say this. If you are a fan of Ali, pick this book up. I'm a big fan of these deep dive biographies. When you just really go back to how a person's whole life started. I read the one on Michael Jordan. I read the one on Michael Jordan. I tell you, if you've got time right now and you're doing a deep dive, this Ali's book is simply sensational. I'll have to take your take your word, but I definitely have to have to grab that book. Um, but for me, I'm huge into sci-fi reading. I, you know, I don't know why I just gotta love sci-fi reading as well as Stephen King books. But um, the book I'm on right now is called The Expanse. Um, it's like a, I think it's an eight book series, and it's about you know these basically the Earth and making uh, colonies on the moon and all Jupiter's moons and battling for the stars and galaxies. So if you like stuff like that, The Expanse is a huge franchise you need to get into. It's also a show on Amazon Prime now, but if you like reading it there, that's a huge, huge book that you need to, to copy or to get going if you're, uh, if you're a sci-fi reader like myself. But The Expanse, man, check it out if you get a chance. Yeah, and I'm not going to lie to y'all. I like that. I'm a, uh, I'm a big TV watcher, so all the stuff that y'all read, I just go ahead, I just watch it. Right, so uh, zero 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 uh, on Amazon, amazing, and then of course season three of Ozark is back out, so that's taking all my reading time. But Nui, I love Ali. I watched every documentary that they had, so that might be one of the books that I pick up and go check out. I tell you what, tell man, you what it, man, it is, it is, and I'm like you, I'm like you. Something on Ali on a documentary, I'll check it out. This dives deeper than any of the documentaries. That's why I recommend it here. It goes back to the name Clay. His original name is Cassius Clay. They go back to how they were descended that they were slaves and descendants of of Henry Clay, who was a you know big big time politician out of Kentucky. So it's it's really really good, and this dives into a relationship with his father that I did not know about here, and how his father was abusive, how the police had come over there when they were being raised as boys, he and his brother, and how the relationship that he had with his mom. It was really fascinating to learn some of these things about. The, the atmosphere and the home life that, that Ali came from. So I, I cannot recommend this book enough because you just I'm just learning so many more things that I just didn't know about the young man. And, um, and, um, and his, his, his young childhood, it's a fascinating That's why I like the deep dive books. They're long. I tell people they're long. And if you can do 20, I say do 25 pages a day or a chapter. And you're going to find out in a whole month you're going to knock out a book. But but people look at these big books like this, it's, it's 500 pages. You're like, man, I can't, I can't possibly read it. Well, you don't have to read it all in one setting, but that's what you do. And when it's that book, that book is that big. Um, that great play that Lynn Manuel Miranda uh, that Lynn Manuel Miranda did, um, you know, Hamilton. He read the he read the big thick biography of Alexander Hamilton, and that's where he got the inspiration from the play. So I, I'm just telling you, if you invest in something like this in a little bit of time over a month, man, you're gonna find yourself smarter, but also you're just gonna find how much you really know about someone, and you just say, man. I mean, as great as Ali was, I mean, one of the things I found out early on when he was training, he was really the first person to take a T, took a white T-shirt, and in red letters, he put Ali on the front. He kind of started self-promotion for boxing. You know, he was the first guy to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And and how I, I did not know that he was dyslexic. 
they talked about that how he had so many problems in school and that he technically was about to not get his high school diploma that he spent most of his junior and senior years missing class at high school in Louisville Kentucky and when it came time down to graduation the, there were teachers who, who did not want to pass him. Like, he does not deserve to pass. His grades aren't any good. He hadn't been here. And the principal came in there and said, no, we think Cassius Clay could end up being a very famous boxer. So we're going to give him a degree because it's going to make the school look good. So he overruled his teachers. And Cassius Clay ended up getting his high school diploma. And it was a certificate of attendance. So it was the lowest one you could get. But they barely passed the guy. But the principal was right because a year and a half later, the guy goes to Rome and ends up winning a gold medal. So <laughs> he graduates in 59 and in 1960 becomes the Olympic champion. So so they were right about that in terms of the principal was he was smart. But it's stuff like that in reading the book that I'm sitting here like, man, okay, this is pretty cool as we look at really one of the great um one of the great heavyweight champions of all time, a great, great sportsman. I mean, you just think about, you know, personalities and then how you line up Jack Johnson and Muhammad Ali and how much he related to Jack Johnson, a former um, heavyweight, first ever black heavyweight champion who's from Houston. So it's a good book, man. I, I can't recommend it enough. And I'm, I mean, I'm really about a quarter page through. I read one, uh, one chapter about him and the bicycle, how he got started boxing and my daughter, she was really into it. So now she's this big Muhammad Ali fan. I know you guys got, you know, I know, Barry, you got young kids, but you get to a point in time, and that's what you do, man. You start just kind of reading things like this to them so you can kind of tell them about history so they can have a better understanding of, you know, what's going on around it. But my kid, my eight-year-old is a big Ali fan. Uh -huh. That's pretty cool right there, now. That's pretty cool. I have a real quick question, though. So if the NFL does end up having the, the draft coming up, like they said, I think the 23rd or the 25th or something like that, how do you think they do that? Do you think they do it where it's just kind of like over TV? Hey, you know how like they do the round four through six where they just say a name and they don't really have anybody come walking on the stage or anything like that? How do you think they're going to do that? Well, the beauty, well, the beauty right, right now, right now is kind of like what we're doing. Like what we're doing. I, mean, I, I, I was I, a I, device I, challenge guy, as you can get, but you know what? Somehow, <laughs> I'm up here doing this. So they're going to. Yeah, so, so the the, eight, the the smart agents are going to find a way to make sure that their guys are, you know, doing doing what we're doing here on a device somewhere where people can talk to them. And plus, man, these young guys, these, these young kids in college, man, they're already doing this FaceTime stuff already. So I think we're going to see a lot of stuff like that. You're going to see a lot of remote cameras in places. Uh, one of the things that I'm doing over at Channel 5 here is we can take... We got it now where we can just have somebody walk outside. They don't have to touch anything at all. We just set up the camera and they can be six feet away and we can do interviews like that. So I've been doing that this week uh, with, with, with several folks. So there's going to be ways that the NFL can make some adjustments that they can still have on the war rooms, that they can have um, GMs and, and head coaches uh, interviewed and players as well. And ESPN, NFL Network, there's some recent ways that they can get creative and still have a makeshift draft. And guess what? It's a National Football League. So they're going to get an audience no matter what. It may not be what we've seen in the past and dialed up, but you know what? Right now, the way the sports world is going, we're going to watch because there ain't nothing else to watch. <laughs> hey, did, did we sign uh, Anthony Brown? Say again, Craig? Did, 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 we, did we sign Anthony Brown? I, I believe I saw that on Twitter this morning, right before we got on the show. I, I can't check it now, but I, I believe I saw that we signed him to like a three-year, $15 million deal, something like that. Okay, Anthony Brown? Yeah, AB, at cornerback. Yeah, I think so. 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 Yeah, I think so.
Yeah, we signed him to a three yeah. for fifteen. Three for fifteen, yeah. yeah. So we got we, we got one of the corner positions taken care of. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got. Look, it's seventeen in front of the Cowboys right now. Right now, they don't make any other moves. I'm taking a corner. Mike Nolan, if he has one good, if Nolan has one good cornerback, he can work with the other. I talked to someone who who used to work with him and coach with him, and he told me that that's. He said they just need to make sure they get one solid guy. And this person also told me he thought that Cheeto Wuzi probably would be better used as a safety more so than a corner. So it'll be interested to see how that goes. Don't do this Byron Jones experiment again, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, this is what this person told me. Well, right now they're going to leave him in the corner because they ain't got no – that's what they're going to do. So, <laughs> But it was just something that somebody – had, had had run past me, but obviously Cheeto and Jordan Bell are going to be up after the season, so I expect the Cowboys to be heavily into the defensive back market between corners and safeties in this draft. I just think this is going to be a defensive draft all day long, and if they go offense, the only thing you're probably going to go for is a, a, a swing tackle here, but I really expect to see a lot of defense from the Cowboys when the drafting starts April 23rd through the 25th. Did, did we add uh, Randy, did we add Randy Gregory as, a, as another pass rusher? He's reinstated? Uh, if, if reinstated, I expect him on this team, and, and he can provide some depth. And with the way things have gone, with the way things have gone around here, when you're trying to replace Quinn, you know, if you patch it together with you know Tyrone Crawford coming back healthy and Randy Gregory there, and, and maybe what else you get in the draft, you know, you piecemeal it together, you know, you can do it that way. Look, it, it's, I, I just think overall this team is going to have a better coaching staff starting from the head coach on down and I just believe that if if they are what we think they are you know what Mike Nolan has been in the past and what Mike McCarthy's been in the past the Cowboys they'll be fine if they improve the special teams I mean there's a lot of ways that, that this team lost some games here I believe that was straight up on coaching I, I, I thought Garrett got out coached a lot during his 10 years with the Cowboys so I just believe having Mike McCarthy and if these guys could get enough time together they should, they should be an improved team. They should be an improved team and they should be able to win two more games than they won last year. I agree with you 100%. I think uh, from what you said, the coaching staff this year, I feel like it's a lot stronger than it was last year. And uh, if we look back, I mean, look at that Minnesota game where, uh, I mean, some of the play calling towards the end of that game could have cost us. I mean, we saw the New England game with special teams. So I think we'll get at least one or two more victories just on coaching alone. And uh, hopefully that'll be enough to get us to the playoffs this year. But we'll see. Yeah, I, I think we'll be fine. I think uh, Jerry's expecting more than one or two more wins, but he, he'll be happy as long as we're in the playoffs. Hey, look, if you get hey, look, 10 wins with a new coaching staff here, you, know, you, you see where you're at here. You you'll take your chances. Your chance and, chance and obviously, it's about trying to win the division. The Giants have a new head coach. Washington's got a new head coach. Philadelphia's got maybe a little bit of an advantage since they're, they're going to return you know, their coaching staff and guys know what they're going to do. But – I just think that the Cowboys, they still have a lot of good players here. You still have a, a window that's open right now. And if Dak Prescott gets better coaching, which I think Mike McCarthy a heck of a better head coach than Jason Garrett, I think we'll see, see Dak Prescott be a better player. And I think Ezekiel Elliott will be used more. So I, I think we're making a bigger deal out of who's not here. But people should be, really be a little bit more impressed in how good of a head coach Mike McCarthy is. I know everybody loves Sean Payton because they obviously 
obviously know Sean Payton from his time with the Cowboys here, but Mike McCarthy is just as good as Sean Payton is in terms of winning percentage, um, having a Super Bowl. Uh, he's a damn good coach. I just don't think people talk about it enough because, I don't know, I just think that you know, in some ways Sean's been more affable in the media, but McCarthy's, McCarthy's tuck on good, man. They, they got themselves a good coach here. All right, it, it's, it's an hour. It's flown by already. It's good to have a player slash together here. <laughs> now that we know how to do this, we'll improve on working from home a little bit. And maybe since we're getting closer and closer to the draft, maybe we can do more than just one show on a Friday. So maybe we mix in a couple of shows during the week here because um, I like this. I like sitting in my house just doing this from here. So, um, so you know, and, and, and Danny, if I can get you away from, you know, possibly not, not eating too much with your with the missus here who's pregnant, you know, I want you to gain that weight like I did, man. I gained all that weight. I am I am on my way to the trail right now. I'm going to run. <laughs> <laughs> look, I got my look. I, I, look, I got I got my uniform on now, man. I got my tights and everything. I'm going to run. <laughs> All right, good stuff, good stuff. Danny McRae, Barry Church, Newey Scruggs. This is the Players Lounge. Thank you so much for taking time to uh, plug us in, and we will be back on Friday. And you know, it may be back earlier next week too. Here, we'll keep you plugged in. All right, everybody, appreciate it. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!